Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. I don't know about you, but when the storms of life hit me, I feel fear. And I can so easily forget Jesus' words. Actually, you do know that about me. <laughs> you said, I don't know about you. And we're, of course, we're speaking to you, the listener. But yeah, I, I, am, I tend towards fearfulness, so I get it. Yeah, same, same. Just in the last few days, I've felt the pangs of depression, and it's made me mm. think, oh no, this is going to be one of those down seasons for me. I've felt the regret of past sins, and I've wondered, my guilt and shame are going to overwhelm me. Am I the only one that ever feels like that? No, you are not. Oh, good. I'm glad I'm not alone. I have listened to a suffering friend try to make the case that God is a God of despair. I mean, that's that's actually what he does. Mm -hmm. Not a God of hope. And I've wondered, is the dark side stronger? Kind of like Luke with Yoda. Is the dark side stronger? So... When the waves are smooth, it's easy to answer these questions with great faith, right? But in the storm, not so much. So in Mark 4, Jesus has been showing how the word of God is a seed and that if we believe his word, we'll grow, we'll become unshakable. I want to be unshakable. Mm -hmm. So after that teaching in the evening, Jesus says to his guys, let's go over to the other side of the lake. I think he's talking about the Sea of Galilee. And on that lake, that sea, a furious squall comes up and the waves break over the boat so that it's nearly swamped. Jesus is in the stern. He's sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples wake him. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And the Lectio 365 devotional says, Jesus, the word of God, gives his word to the disciples. Mm. Let us go the to the other side. An old preacher once said that perhaps the reason Jesus seemed so angry with the disciples' lack of faith after he had calmed the storm was because they had forgotten his words. What were Jesus' words before they'd even gotten into the boat? Let us go, go to the, to the other, other side. side. Yeah. yeah. Jesus had said it. It was going to happen. But the storm made them forget. And I'm so like that. Oh my goodness. I mean, that's, that's life, right? There's a, there's a destination, but we're all on this journey and we can lose sight of the destination when the journey gets, you know, feels like it's going to take us out. Yeah. And those storms, they just come up so suddenly, you know, just like that, that squall, that storm on the sea of Galilee came up so suddenly. It, it just happens in life like that. Right. I mean, it can it can look like a diagnosis. I mean, suddenly you're just having these weird, you know, experiences physically and not quite sure what's going on or you just discover a lump or I, you know what I mean? Like, or I, there's just so many ways that a storm can unexpectedly mm -hmm. show up in the middle of your average day where you feel like I'm I know where I'm headed. I know the direction I'm going. And then all of a sudden you've got a storm. Yeah. And wouldn't it be something if... Something like that happened that we just said, okay, I got it. I mean, Jesus has it. Yeah. I trust him. You know, and I think that in some ways the Lord, he's, he's gentle with us, but he wants us to get there. He wants us to trust him like that. For me, I think it's, you know, if this isn't good, the thing that shows up as my storm, this isn't good. I think, you know, to just stop there and go, this isn't good, but God is good. 
instead of this isn't good. So maybe God's not good. Mm -hmm. This isn't good, but God is good. Yeah. That's a good place to anchor. Jesus wants me and you to trust him, not just when, when life is calm, but when it's stormy and scary. When I feel lost at sea, bashed by a storm, surrounded by darkness, my instinct is to freak out. <laughs> Not Shauna, but that's my instinct. <laughs> yeah, it is my instinct. You know it is. But your good word. You've told me so many times when I needed to hear it. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. <laughs> but what if we could take the posture of the great English preacher, Charles Spurgeon, who suffered a lot with depression throughout his whole life. And he once said, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me up against the rock of ages. Mm. Listen to that. I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me up against the rock of ages. What if I could allow stormy seasons to push me closer to God? What if you could? I am asking that God will give you and me courage and comfort in whatever storms we're in right now, on today, on this morning. I'm asking him to teach you and me how to kiss the waves that throw us up against Jesus the rock of ages, because that's all the waves can do is throw us up against Jesus, mm -hmm. the rock of ages. And when we fall on him, when we hit up against him, you know, everything's going to be okay. It was, I don't know, five, six years ago now that I felt challenged literally through a Bible study I was doing with a group of women to say the words every single day, I trust you. Mm. And when I first did it, I was like, I trust you. <laughs> you know, it was very in, unconvincing, right. right? But then as I made this practice of saying, I trust you every single day, it grew in confidence. And like I said, it's been like five or six years now. And now it's just a daily practice of mine several times a day to say, I trust you. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that you're going to carry me through this, even though this is hard, you know, but to be thrown, tossed up against the rocks and to say, be able to say, I trust you. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's uh, this saying from Abba, Abba's child with Brennan Manning. It's Abba, I belong to you. And I'm reading a new book by Brendan Manning. He says, you know, just take, take several minutes, sit down and just, just say that Abba, I belong to you. And just keep saying it. It's good. It's, it's, there's something about doing that, that practice. I trust you. Abba, I belong to you. Romans 8, 31, 32 for you and me. If God is on our side, can anyone be against us? God did not keep back his own son, but he gave him for us. If God did this, won't he freely give us everything else? Well, the entire month of November, we've had a challenge out there for you. It's called Gratitude is Greater Than Grumbling. And we've just been focusing on not complaining, but instead giving thanks to God. And the month isn't over yet. So even though Thanksgiving was last Thursday, we're going to keep on being grateful and keep nurturing gratitude in our hearts. And I've got to tell you, I am so incredibly grateful for God's presence. You know, there's God's omnipresence, which means he's everywhere all the time, which, yes, I'm grateful for 100%, because that means that my daughter in the Czech Republic and my daughter in Australia and my daughter in Illinois, that God is with each of them, all of them, at the same time. So, yeah, praise Jesus for his omnipresence. But I am also thankful for God's presence with me all the time. 
there are times when I have blown it again and I am so ashamed of myself and just that I'm not alone in that, that God is with me and that he's so full of grace, just removing my sins as far as the East is from the West and reminding me that I'm loved even in that moment. And when I'm doing the best that I can and I'm trying so darn hard and I fall short, he reminds me it's not about whether I pass or whether I fail. And when I don't know what to do, I literally don't know what to do. He instructs me, he counsels me. And when I feel misunderstood, which is a really lonely feeling, like nobody gets me, he does, he gets me, he knows me. And when I feel like I've revealed too much about myself and I just want to hide, he reminds me that he knows everything there is to know about me and it doesn't make him run for the hills. He loves me anyway. And when I feel inadequate, he says, I'm the one who qualifies you. If I called you, I'm going to empower you. And when I feel like I'm anxious, he's my peace. He literally settles me down. I mean, just remembering, okay, Lord, you are right here with me right now in this moment. It stops my heart from racing and it settles my spirit within me to know that truth. When I'm joyful, he's not annoyed by my bubbliness. <laughs> he joins in with me in this celebrating and this singing and the dancing. And I just love that about him. He is my best friend, the love of my life, my first love, my forever love. Remember when you were little and you know you had a crush and you'd put that little me plus you equals forever, you know, math equation into a tree or on your notes, in your notebook, whatever the case may be. Yeah, this precious thing, this precious thing that I have with the Father will never end. He is committed to me. He is covenanted with me. We literally are forever. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation, in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that's why we can say today, like just with great assurance and confidence and in all truth, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I literally don't need a thing. God is right here, right now. He's with you. Everything we have in Jesus, we have in real time. For all of your life, you will never, ever be alone. The one who loves you perfectly will always be with you. Listen to this truth. This is so good this morning. God is never, ever, ever, ever going to leave you. When our kids were young, we went to um, Knott's Berry Farm in California, right by where I grew up. I actually, that was my first job was Knott's Berry Farm. I worked at the print shop, but we took our kids there for the day to just enjoy an amusement park. It's kind of like Disneyland, except it's kind of a cowboy theme kind of thing. Old West, mm -hmm. small town kind of thing. So anyway, they have this roller coaster and our older kids wanted to do the roller coaster. And our youngest was not quite sure about that, but she got talked into it. She had a lot of pressure from the olders. So she went for it. And so we get in line and we had to wait for quite a while, but I just had plenty of opportunities as she had like this death grip on my hand to assure her that I was going to be right with her through the whole thing. She was not going to be alone. Mom's here. I've got you. You're going to be safe. 
So we get to the front of the line and typically on a roller coaster, there's like a a car of some kind and two people hop in side by side, you know, and you pull the bar down in front of you. That's usually how it goes. Well, these were horses that you rode on. So we each had to get on separate horses. We couldn't ride both of us on one. And they're kind of like race horses. So I get on mine and she gets on hers and she's like, wait a minute. Like I thought we were going to be side by side in this car, you know? And so now she's on this horse and she's, on her own horse, separate from me, not cool, but I'm reaching over and I can reach her hand and I'm assuring her it's going to be fine. And then instead of the bar, like grabbing onto it and pulling it down from the front, it came at you from the back, like your lower back and pressed you down into this horse. So it was really, I don't even know if the ride's still there, but it was so awkward and just uncomfortable for every single one of us. But the most for Haven. She was not liking any part of this, but we're holding hands and I'm just assuring her, Have, mom's got you. I'm going to hold your hand through the whole thing. Just look at me, you know, keep your eyes focused on me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here for you. Then the horses start to move. The ride starts to go and, and it's starting, we're moving and I'm talking to her and we're moving along side by side. And I'm like, girl, I got you. Just, you know, keep hold of mom and we'll be fine. Right about that time, I didn't notice this ahead of time. It was like worst mom moment ever, but the tracks separated and went in different directions and her horse went off to the left and my horse went off to the right and her hands are ripped apart and the look on her face, I don't think I will ever forget for as long as I live. She was like, she didn't say anything, but it was like her face said, promise (laughs) our hands are getting ripped apart I'm just like oh my gosh it didn't matter what I had said it didn't even matter how good my intentions were and how much I meant it when I said it that I wasn't going to leave her we were separated and I failed I did leave her and she was on her own that's one of those you know if you had a do-over as a parent you definitely do that over I remember when my kids were younger and we'd go to movies a lot, and we went to this Will Smith movie. I can't remember the name of it, but it was Will Smith in New York City and zombies. Oh. And I took my kids to that, and they were like, Dad, why did you bring us to this? <laughs> this is scary. Like, get us out of here. And, yeah. and so we left during the movie. Oh. And... Yeah, they they still talk about that. Dad, why did you bring us to that movie? And so if I had a do-over on that one, I would do it over. Yeah, y'all would be sitting in some animated Disney flick instead of Unfortunately, yes, that would be the case. (laughs) I hate Disney animated movies. Really? Just for the record. Perry. I just, anything animated just doesn't, it just... Okay, no judgment. I'm not... I'm not passing any judgment on you or whatever whatsoever because I can't hang with a movie that has a creature that is not real, like a hobbit. I can't stay. I'm like, I'm out. Or I've never zo- run into a hobbit. I can't relate to what you're going through. Or a I'm zombie. Out. Yeah, or a zombie. <laughs> okay, back to the, the, you know, Haven and I getting separated. It makes me think about, you know, all the scripture verses, all the places where we're promised by God, hey, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. It's the best news ever. It is comforting news. It's good news. God can't lie. It's absolute truth. So why do we struggle to believe it? Why is that hard for us? Well, I think it's because of people like me. I think it's because people 
fail us. People hurt us. I had the best of intentions when I told Haven, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay right here. And there are people in our lives who've had great intentions and said, listen, I'm covenanting with you. We're going to do all of life together. We're going to be together forever. And, and now they're not, you know, whatever the circumstances are, um, we've been hurt. You know, people have made promises and they've broken those promises. Um, even death has separated us from people that we thought were going to be a part of our lives forever. So it's hard when people fail us to then look at our relationship with the Lord and say, but can I trust you really? I mean, I know you're saying these things, but I've been told beautiful things before. And how do I know that I can really trust you? I think that's where the obstacle comes from. But God is not like people. God doesn't fail ever. What he says, he actually does. And so we can take confidence in all of God's promises, everything he said to us. He's coming back. Yes, he's coming back. Not maybe, not if it works out for him. He's coming back. He's gone ahead of us and he's prepared a place for us. Yes, all of God's promises are yes and amen, including his promise to always be with us no matter what. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That covers everything. I have a suffering friend who has, through the years, come up with a thousand reasons that he's unqualified to be in God's family. Seems like he always invents a new one. Mm -hmm. And I've prayed for him for decades and spent so much time trying to breathe faith back into him Mm -hmm. and nothing ever changes. It seems like Jesus isn't listening to me. So in Mark 4, Jesus has been showing how the word of God is a seed And that if we believe his word, we'll grow, we'll become unshakable. After that, in the evening, Jesus says to his guys, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And on that lake, a furious storm comes up and the waves break over the boat so that it's nearly swamped. Jesus is in the stern, sleeping. He's sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples wake him. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? The Lectio 365 devotional app says the disciples were panicking. Several of them were seasoned sailors who knew the lake well. They knew this was a really bad storm, and yet there's Jesus sleeping. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I'm praying to a sleeping Jesus, and it makes me feel alone. And it's in moments like that that I need to bring Jesus my despair. Mm my hopelessness, my sense of abandonment, and choose, yeah, make a choice to trust him, that his plan and his ways are way bigger than mine. What if when we feel Jesus is sleeping, he's actually inviting us to be even more tenacious in prayer? So for me, with my dear suffering friend who keeps getting worse, it looks like me praying one more time, Jesus, I trust that you are listening, And one more time, I pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in my brother's life as it is in heaven. I think the one more time idea is 
it's just, it's beautiful because the question I think that shows up when we feel like God isn't listening or we're praying, uh, you know, we're going through long suffering and we're praying a prayer for a long period of time is like, how long am I going to have to pray this prayer? Do you know what I mean? And just the giving yourself the grace to say, you know what, I'm going to pray it again. I'm going to pray it one more time instead of focusing on how many times am I going to have to ask the Lord for this before I see a breakthrough. We've got friends that text us regularly and say, I, I still need this to happen. And it makes me think of the, uh, the woman with the judge in the scripture, you know, when she just comes back again and again and again and again and again, and she just won't let up. She's like, this is what I need. Mm-hmm. This is what I need. And, and she's given what she needs, but yeah, God hears us. And, and, uh, I think there's a lot of grace Perry into saying, you know what, I'm going to pray this just one more time. Yeah. And we're praying, Lord, your kingdom come. I'm praying your kingdom come, your will be done in my brother's life as it is in heaven as it is in heaven. Notice what we're praying. I think we're praying, Lord, because of who you are, I believe you're going to set everything right. If not in this life, you will in the age to come. Yeah. You know, maybe like me, you need this reminder. God never sleeps, even if sometimes it feels like he does. Psalm 121 reminds me and you that he will not let my foot slip. He who watches over me will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So Jesus isn't sleeping. He knows what he's doing. He's way bigger than us. His plan is way larger than us. And he's working behind the scenes, unseen. And so we just we just need to trust him. And that's not easy, but it's a choice. So we can choose to trust him. Knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He's setting everything right, and he will set everything right. Psalm 23 is one of my favorites. Yeah, I know I say that about a lot of scripture, but God's word is good. Come on, y'all. You got lots of favorites too, I'm sure. Psalm 23, I had the opportunity to teach on that over the summer, I think it was. And oh my goodness, did it capture my heart. But I want to focus in on just one verse and it's verse six. Well, If you're not familiar, Psalm 23 is, you know, the the chapter that starts with the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. But verse six says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And some translations say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Mm -hmm. But this one that I'm using is surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. You know, and I just, as I was reflecting on this verse, I was thinking about, do I wake up in the morning anticipating goodness? You know, I mean, just really genuinely having the thought like, man, what goodness is God going to have for me today? You know, what, where am I going to see the love of God today with anticipation, knowing that his goodness and love follow me all the days of my life. That means today. All right. And I just love that in this verse too, we see that God promises his proximity he promises he's going to be with us. He's never going to leave us. His scripture tells us, you know, lo, I am with you always. And that means today, now, every day for eternity, we've got the goodness of God. We've got the presence of God, which is his goodness, right? And the goodness of God, which is his presence and his love following us every single day. I've been feeling really insecure in my relationship with God 
recently for a number of reasons. And I just keep coming back to his promises. You know, I don't, I don't have any other antidote mm-hmm. than to come back to his promises. Cause I just, you know, I get, I get confused and, and it could be the enemy and, and yet the Lord could be, you know, convicting me of some things and all that seems to be wrapped up in, in, in one package, mm-hmm. you know, where sometimes when God convicts you of certain things in your life and then the enemy comes in perhaps and creates some condemnation and some confusion. And so I've just been working through some stuff and feeling insecure about where I am with God. And this, this promise is just another one to, to stand my feet on. That's what I do when I feel disoriented, when I feel, uh, you know, insecure or unsure about God, are we okay? Yeah. I just come back to his promises. Yeah. And they are, you know, they're they rock solid and I trust them no matter what I feel. I think about the times in my own life when I had questions or I wasn't sure about something. Those are times that God was actually pressing his truth deeper into my heart. So it could be that that's, that that's what God is doing this time. And I think, you know, standing on his promises is exactly what we need to be doing when everything seems unsure is to, you know, we talk about the faith train. If you've never heard this before, it's not mine. I didn't come up with this one, but I love it. And I use it a lot in my own life. It's there's, you know, there's different cars on the train and the first train, we want the first train to be the facts. And then we want to hitch the second train or car to that first car. And the second car is our faith. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the third car, the caboose, is our feelings. So the facts are the engine, and they're what moves this thing. And then I attach my faith to the facts. Everything, okay, everything I believe is what I know to be true, is what the facts are. And then the feelings can kind of follow behind. But sometimes we can get those confused, and it feels like the caboose is, you know, pulling the train. Yeah. And that's going backwards. Right, right. Well, thanks for that. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I just think you're doing, there's so much wisdom in what you're doing that yeah. you're just standing on what is true. And also, I, just, I hope you're encouraged by, you know, that I hope that God is pressing his truth deeper into your heart in this time. It doesn't, it might be that you feel like you're getting tossed up against the rocks, but mm-hmm. they're the rocks of his goodness, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love this. Goodness and love. Like the little, like little sheepdogs, you know, <laughs> it, the whole Image is a shepherd, right? right? So the shepherd is leading the sheep and the sheepdogs are goodness and love. They're, they're keeping the sheep, you know, from going off the path and dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. You know, I think of the house of the Lord was the place where heaven and earth met. God's raw presence was there. And now his temple is us. And when we gather together, heaven and earth meet mm-hmm. and we will be in his presence forever. I have a friend, uh, my friend Ruth has got two dogs and she named them goodness and mercy. Well, there you go. And literally goodness and mercy follow her <laughs> around all the days of her life. But what a great reminder of Psalm 23, six, take this in for yourself today. I mean, just honestly walk into today with an anticipation that God's goodness is going to meet you today. His love is going to meet you today. It's like a treasure hunt, really. Like, where are you going to show up, Lord? Where are you going to show me where you're at? Because surely goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.